16 last week. And we're going to pick up and look at verses 16 through the end of chapter 2 today. Uh, I see it kind of as, as one unit. I think Paul has one thought here, one purpose that he includes uh, these things through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to look through the end of the chapter beginning in verse 16. Um, let's, let's do that together. <clears throat> Holding fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. That's going to be kind of our focal verse right there, verse 17. I'm glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that surely I myself will come also. I've thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus, my brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near, the, near to death. But God has mercy on him, and not only on him, but me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I'm more, I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy and honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Father, we need you, and God, we need your grace. And, and Lord, we, uh, we ask you today to teach us, uh, to sanctify us. Father, we pray that you would send the power of your spirit to make us holy and to make us like Jesus and to give us the mind of Christ, that we might have followed the example of, of Paul and, and of Epaphroditus and, and of Timothy. And Father, I pray that you would, uh, God, that you would just work a good work in us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me give you just a little bit of how I see these sections fitting together. Really just chapter 2, okay? So be in your Bible here, and, and as I point these things out, just kind of get a reference for them in your mind, uh, what, what, how Paul is putting all of this together. Okay, so several weeks ago, uh, we talked about um, the, just, just what God does in the Christian life, okay? And we've been kind of working through that in the last couple weeks. Uh, we talked about, if you, can you remember our, my, my imaginary line here? I just love it. I'm going to keep using it, okay? So if this is the beginning of salvation, okay? This is when a person uh, hears the gospel, you know, for the very first time, their eyes are open. They're like, yes, Jesus is the best thing ever. I believe it. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. Right here. Bam. Explosion of grace. And God justifies the sinner. God makes us righteous in Christ with the life of Christ. He adopts us into his family. He brings forgiveness. All these riches dumped into us in a moment of time. Okay? Now... After that begins the Christian life. Now, this is of God as well. Remember in, in chapter 2, um, verse 12 and 13, work out, your own, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you. Okay, so as you are in the Christian life now, working out your salvation. Okay, you're working out your salvation. God's working in you. He's given you the power. Uh, you're dependent on Him. You're looking to Him. God is working in you, and you're beginning to live the Christian life. What is the Christian life? It's becoming like Jesus, being conformed to the image of Christ. We saw that in chapter 2, verse 5. Remember, Paul says, hey, 
have this mind in yourselves, which was in Jesus Christ, right? He, he gives these commands in chapter 2, verse 3. Don't, don't, don't do anything out of rivalry or selfish conceit. Don't, don't look to your own interests. Look to the interests of others. Serve others. And then he says, basically, be like Jesus. Have this mind that Jesus had. And he goes through Jesus' life and gives us examples of that. So the Christian life is me becoming like Jesus, right? It's me being conformed to the image of Jesus. What that means ultimately is sinning less and less and becoming like Christ and being yielded to Christ and obeying more and more, not perfect, but, but, but a progression in my life to become more like Jesus Christ. And so what, what, what Paul is giving us now, you may think, man, all of a sudden he just shifted gears. Now he's talking about Timothy coming and Epaphroditus being sick and, you know, uh, just, just all this kind of details of life. No, I, I don't think Paul is doing that. I think Paul is giving us real life examples of men who live this out. Okay. So what you have here in chapter two is you've got doctrine. Okay. You've got God's salvation, the the Christian life, God working in us, the mind of Christ being conformed to Jesus. And then you've got examples. Paul, Paul lives up his own life and he's like, Hey, Here's, here's, what, here's the way my life goes. I'm pouring it out into other people. It's a drink offering. We're going to talk about that in a second. He's got Timothy. Man, here's a guy who's not concerned with his own interests. He's concerned with the interests of others, with the welfare of others. He's got a guy named Epaphroditus who's risking his life for the gospel. Paul is not only giving us doctrine, but now he's fleshing it out. In real life examples. That is incredibly helpful. It is incredibly helpful to have not only the word of God. But also to have real people. That you see them living out the word of God in their lives. That is a helpful thing. It's one of the most helpful things about the church. About having Christ in our relationships. About going to a, a small group. What's the deal with a small group? People don't get that. Some people are like, why, why do we go to people's houses? Why, why do we eat together? You know why? Because you need to see real people living out the gospel. I mean, there's, there's a path that's been blazed for us, okay, for, for a couple thousand years in great men and women whom Jesus worked in and the Holy Spirit empowered and they blazed this trail of this is the life you need to live. This is how you live. This is how you think. This is how you, how you love your family. And guys, we need to learn to stay on the path. Um, let me use a mountain bike illustration. I, I got this the other day when, when I was being whipped by Andrew and, and Randall. I would try my hardest to keep up with those guys. And, and man, I just can't do it. I just can't keep up. And, and, and I've got several problems. And, but the, the big one is I can't corner like those guys. I, I just can't, I can't corner like they can. For some reason, they've got, especially Randall, man, he's just got, he's, I don't know. I don't know how he does it. I, I, if I knew, I would do it. You know, I don't know how he does it. But, it, you know, I'll catch him on the uphills and something like that. But man, when we get into the switchbacks and the all, you know, man, he just, he, and the thing is, he stays right in the middle of the trail. Okay. And so like, he's right in the middle of the trail. Okay. And I'm like riding real hard trying to catch up, but I can't corner like him. So you know what's happening to me? I'm going off the trail. Okay. Now, when you go off the trail, bad things happen. Number one, I mean, the, 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 the inevitable consequence is you slow down. Okay. Cause you know, the trail is hard packed. It's, it's meant for, you know, it's speed. There's nothing in the way when you go off the trail, it's like, you know, stick log, you know, tumbleweed branch, you know, I mean, and so I'm doing that, you know, I'm just like, I'm trying to keep, I'm trying to go fast, but I get off the trail and then I, I, 
it slows me way down. And sometimes it's catastrophic. Like sometimes it doesn't just slow me down. It, it's like, you know, you know, then, then it's all over, you know. And, and I was, I was, this was happening to me the other day. And I got back and I said, Lord, why? You know, and Lord is like, he like spoke to me. Hey, here's a great sermon illustration. Stay on the trail, you know. I mean, other people have blazed this trail for you. And if you'll stay on it, you'll go faster and your life will go smoother. Same thing here. Why does Paul talk about Epaphroditus? Why do we need to know about this guy? Why does he talk about Timothy? Why do we need to know about him? Man, he's giving you examples. He's, he's being kind to us, isn't he? God's being good here. He, he's giving us, hey, look at how these guys lived. Look, look at how, they, look at how they, they, they lived their life. Look at how they sacrificed. Look at how they risked. Man, do that. Here, 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 here's doctrine, and now we've got real life example. You got three men here. <clears throat> three men who, who did just what Paul's telling us to do. They emptied themselves of their privileges. They, they, they didn't look out for their own interests, but for the interests of others. They obediently sacrificed, even to the point of death, so the gospel would grow. We've got doctrine, and we've got it being worked out in real men's lives. So let's, let's look at these guys. We're going to spend most time on Paul, but we'll talk about the other two guys here just briefly at the end. But let's look at Paul, verse 17. Here's the way Paul looks at his life. Even if I am to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I'm glad and I rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. That's verse, that's verse 17 and 18. Paul describes his life as being poured out. Okay? Hey, you want to hear something cool in Greek? Okay? I, I didn't know this until I, I was reading it, but and I don't even know if it's the right way to pronounce it, but it looks like it to me. It looks like that Greek word is spindomai. Okay? Spindomai. And I don't know, here's the way my mind worked. It's like, spend, oh my. Okay? So when you're, when you're being poured out, what are you doing? You're spending yourself, right? And sometimes there's an oh my to that, right? I mean, like my life's literally, it's, it's going into other places. I mean, it's being spent. Yeah, Paul says, my life's been poured out. His time, his energy, his resources, his opportunities, <clears throat> all that's being spent on the Philippians' faith, okay? I, I mean, literally poured out in the sense that he's in prison, okay? And, and he's very likely to be executed. And so, I mean, there's almost a literalness here of, of if his head goes off, I mean, literally, his life, I mean, I, I think some of the imagery is there. His life's going to be spilt out. Okay, for the Philippians' faith. He's in prison because of the gospel, and it's very likely he'll lose his head, and his blood will flow out for the gospel. I, I think that picture is there, but, but even if that doesn't happen, I, I mean, Paul's saying it's happening now. His life's being poured out, even if his life's being poured out. So I, I think you have to factor in other things as well, time and energy and efforts and, and just resources, and, 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 and he's being poured out for the sake of the Philippians. Now, by nature, we don't like to be poured out. We like to be poured into Okay, true. We we like to be like we, we don't want to be emptied. We want to be full. Okay, I, I, I mean that's going to be our tendency. In fact, people get bitter about this. Have you ever heard moms get bitter about this? I, I, I mean, this is a natural thing. You know, moms are just like you know investing, 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 giving, giving, giving. Your baby's waking up, waking up, and, and there's usually a, a point where moms is like, ah, you know, I'm just like you're sucking me dry. You ever heard anybody say that? You're sucking me dry. You know, and you kids, you know, you're you're just you're taking everything out of me. My whole life. We don't like that. I mean, I mean, by nature, we want to be, we want to be full, right? We want to be poured into. And Paul says, I'm pouring my life out. And he describes his life being poured out as a drink offering. Okay, this is kind of cool. 
in the Old Testament, actually pagans did this too. I'm not, I'm not sure which Paul is referring to because Philippi is really kind of a pagan city. And so he could be kind of connecting with their, their old practices or he could be uh, talking about the Jewish rite. But either, either way, it was very common in ancient times for there to be a drink offering. So you'd have your regular offering, you know, your sheep, your bull, your goat, whatever. You know, you're offering it to God or if you're a pagan, you're offering it to demons or whatever. And, and then there would be often be a drink offering, like an, an expensive wine or oil or something. And they would pour it out. They would pour it out. Nobody would drink it. They would pour it out either either beside the sacrifice or on the altar uh, unto the Lord, unto, unto God, unto, uh, as an offering. And, and so Paul pictures here, Paul pictures his service uh, to the Philippians as being a drink offering. He's pouring out his life. He's staying up late. He's enduring abuse. He's serving people. He's helping people. He's praying for people. He, he, he's preaching the gospel. You know, it landed him in prison. If you remember when he first came to Philippi, I remember that whole story of, of Paul going there and he gets put in prison and, and, and he gets beaten by rod, with rods and him and uh, who is it, Silas chained up in, in the dungeon and, and at midnight they start singing, praising God. There's an earthquake. The Philippian jailer gets saved. I mean, that whole thing happened at, at Philippi. So Paul, Paul is expending his life, okay? And, and he says, what this is, is a drink offering. Paul is pouring out his life over the Philippians. He, he's pouring out his life as a sacrifice to God. It, it, it's, a, it's, it's, it's a sacrifice to the Lord. Um, that's really that's really crucial that we get that in our heads that when we pour our life into others we're doing so as a sacrifice unto God. Um, if you don't get that, then you know what you're going to do. You're ultimately going to do this. You're 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 going to try to invest in people. You know you're going to try to invest in kids. You're going to try to invest in in your neighbors and people at church. And ultimately they're going to disappoint you because they're sinners, right? And ultimately, you're going to get this little angst in you and you're going to come back to, you know what? They don't deserve that, right? They don't deserve my time. They don't deserve my energy. They don't, they don't appreciate it. They, they, they're not responding. You know, I'm just beating my head against the wall. And, and, and if you're a pragmatist, you're, you're likely to stop doing that because it doesn't seem like those people deserve to be poured into. Paul, Paul looks at his service, his investment in people. As an offering to God. Do you see the subtle difference there? This is, this is a drink offering to the Lord. And, and, and so it doesn't matter if people deserve it or not. It doesn't matter actually if people are responsive or not. This, this, this is an offering unto God. I, I'm offering my, my service in my life unto God. Now, specifically, Paul's life was being poured out. Notice verse 17. It says, even if I'm to be poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. That's kind of a funny sentence to me almost. It's, a, it's almost a, doesn't make sense a little bit. There's too many, too many offerings in there. But, but notice he says it's a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. All right? So here's the way I picture it, all right? Uh, Romans 12 <coughs> tells us um, that we, our bodies should be a living sacrifice. Let me read that. I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Okay, so what I picture is, here's the way Paul sees it in his mind. These guys are believers. In Philippi, they're Christians, okay? And so their, their lives are a sacrifice to God. This is our worship to the Lord. Is, is giving our life to him, okay? And, and, and the more holy we are and the more acceptable to God, the more pleasing we are to him, okay? So you got the Philippians on the altar, okay? And then you got Paul coming along and, and Paul's life's being poured out onto their faith, 
He, it says that particularly, doesn't it? He says, as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith. Okay? So what, what's Paul targeting here? He's targeting their faith. Okay? He, he wants to build them up in faith. He wants his life to be poured out as a drink offering to God, but it's poured out in the Philippians to strengthen their faith. Okay? That, that's, his, that's his intention. That's very important. Okay? Because I, I think you can pour into people in other ways. That, that aren't as effective. You know, I, I th- actually think you can be one of those people that you're just trying to please everybody, you know, and so anytime anybody's like, you know, hey, I need this, I need that, you're like, yes, I'll do it, I'll do it, you know, and, and then you're just like running around killing yourself, but you're not aiming at their faith. So those are different things. I'm not a big fan of just running around killing myself for everybody, you know. Um, I, I'm not a big fan of that. I am a big fan of investing particularly in people's faith. Okay, in, in, in my efforts aimed at building up the faith. Okay, so, so Paul's offering, he's being poured out on, onto the Philippians' lives, but particularly onto their faith, so that as their faith is strengthened, they become more pleasing to God. Their sacrifice, the sacrifice of their lives becomes a more pleasing sacrifice to God. Okay, so you got the picture? Do we have the picture here? This, this way Paul sees his life. He sees his life as other believers are, are offering their lives as a sacrifice to God. Paul is an offering. He's just going to pour out his life into their lives so that their faith is strengthened, so that they're more pleasing, so that the, the, the offering unto God is a more pleasing sacrifice unto the Lord. And so as we think about following the path of the Apostle Paul here, the path of the Apostle Paul is, is that you spend your life, you pour out your life to build up the faith of others. Now, again, it's God's power, right? We've got to come back to that. <clears throat> it's God's power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that, that brings about sanctification, that makes us more like Jesus. But here is the great truth of the Scripture. God's power, God in His sovereignty, God in His wisdom has chosen to work through other believers, to send His power through you, into the lives of others. Does that make sense? Let me read you a verse that hopefully you are incredibly familiar with. You'll notice some verses we just come back to and hammer and hammer and hammer and hammer. That, that's, that's intentional. Romans 1, 11 and 12, it's our small group verse. By the way, small groups are coming up here in September. Did you know that? We're going to start back up. Um, I'm putting in a plug here. Romans 1, 11 and 12. For I long to see you, this is Paul speaking, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. What's his intention? I want to strengthen you. That is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. Okay, Paul, Paul's intention is I want to get together with you so that I can strengthen you. I can, I, I can give you a spiritual gift, a gift in the sense of something that builds up your faith, that we might be mutually encouraged. Your faith might be encouraged. My faith might be encouraged by one another. The theology behind this, uh, 1 Corinthians 12, <coughs> verse 7, says, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. If you're a born-again believer, when this explosion of grace happens, you, you're indwelt by the Spirit of God. And you're indwelt by the Spirit of God. And, and while, when you're indwelt, God chooses to use you in a particular way. Okay? He puts you in the body. Actually, um, 1 Corinthians 12 says, um, verse 18, I don't think we have this on the screens, but it says, as, as, as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as He chose. Okay? So if you're here... 
and you're, you're a believer, okay, then God has arranged you in the body as he chose, okay? You're, 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 you're uniquely gifted, okay, in the sense that God has chosen to use you in a unique way through his Holy Spirit, through his power, to, to minister to the common good. That's what verse 7 said, for the common good. Now, what, what does that mean? That means that we need each other. Verse 21 of the same chapter, 1 Corinthians 12, 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I've no need of you. Okay, he, he pictures the church as a body. Some people are eyes, some people are hands, some people are feet, whatever. You know, we're, we're the body of Christ. He says, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. We can't say that. We, we need each other. Why do we need each other? Because God has chosen in his grace to, to work through believers to build up the faith of others. Let me give you one more, okay? I'm just trying to reinforce the, the theology, what we're talking about here. First Peter 4, verse 10. As each has received a gift, same principle. Everybody's got a gift. Every believer has a gift. Use it to serve one another, okay? Investing in one another's lives, pouring it over in one another's lives. As good stewards of God's varied grace, you're carrying God's grace to other people, okay? Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is the one who serves by the strength that God supplies. Notice he comes right back and says, it's God's power. Remember, it's God's power. But it's coming through you in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ and be glory and dominion forever and ever. Our efforts, when filled with the Spirit's power, result in building up and strengthening faith, holy lives in other believers, Okay? Now, now, what's the implication of this? Here's a, here's a huge one. We need other believers, okay? We need other believers, all right? Other believers are, are the means by which God has chosen to, to send his grace into your life, okay? It's one of the reasons why you need to be connected to a church. It's one of the reasons why we urge you to be in a Sunday school class, in a small group, in an accountability relationship, in a Bible study, in girl talk, in man. It's, it's the reason we encourage you to gather together, there's a reason for that. We're not just counting, okay? We're not, I mean, we, we do count you, you know, because we think you count. But, but we're not just, that's, that's not the purpose of it. You know, we're just like, hey, let's all get together. Hey, we had 480 today. Great. That doesn't mean anything. We, we want you to get together because the Bible tells us that, that God's grace is moving through people into your lives. And that's the way you're built up. That's the way your faith is strengthened. That's the, way, that's the way your life has changed. That's the way you become more like Jesus. It's God's power, but God has chosen to, to send his power through other people. To send his power through, through you speaking the word into other people's lives. Through you comforting and encouraging and, and, and giving an example and keeping accountable. And, and all the things that are involved in the Christian life. But we need other believers. I know it's hard for some of you to, to say that. But listen, Paul needed other believers. Look at how he talks about Timothy and Epaphroditus. Verse 22. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. Paul was not Timothy's actual father. But that's the way he looked at him. That's the kind of relationship they had. That, 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 that's a gospel relationship that ought to be imitated. Okay? Paul's, Paul's blazed a trail here. You need to ride on that trail. You need to have relationships with other believers that are, are like family relationships. Do you have that? Are you seeking that? Man, it's essential. If not, you're off the trail. You know, this is what you're doing. You're because you're like, why can't I get going? You're riding in the trees, dude. Get on the trail. You know, the trail is God puts us together in a family. We need brothers. We, we need spiritual fathers. 
We're in this thing together. Notice how he refers to Epaphroditus. Look at verse 25. Fellow, he calls him, he calls him like four things here. Brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, your messenger, minister to my need. <clears throat> Man, we're in this thing together. On my wedding ring, Emma, Emma carved Psalm 34.3. Let us magnify the Lord together. Come, let us magnify the Lord together. Together, together. We're in it together. Romans 15.6. He said it already today. Remember? That with one voice, that we may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. With one voice, that, you know, one accord, welcome one another. I mean, they're, they're, we're, we're brothers, we're family, we're fellow workers. We're, we're, we're working together, we're soldiers together, we're messengers, we're ministers, we're connected to Christ, and so we're connected to each other. And in, in, in verse 30, Paul says, Epaphroditus almost died risking his life to supply the service that Paul needed. <clears throat> Man, do you see that? Verse 30, he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Verse 25, he's talking about Epaphroditus. He says, he's my brother, my fellow worker, my fellow soldier, your messenger, minister to my need, my need. How many of you would say, I need other believers? I mean, you'd really say it. I need them. I need them. My experience is that you go after what you need. If you believe that you need it. You, you, you find a way to get it. Paul has needs. Now, some of you are going to say, well, isn't God the one who meets needs? Yeah, he does. He does. It's all his power. I mean, we've saw that back and forth every time. I mean, I mean Paul doesn't even talk about spiritual gifts without saying, but it's God's power. I mean, it's God, God's the one who's doing it. Okay? But it's through other believers. Now, there's times where, where that, 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 that doesn't happen. Okay? But those are the exception. Second Timothy. This is a, <clears throat> kind of a, a time when, when people fail. And, and, and listen, you, you know what? You know what some people were going to say? Well, you know what? I had a need. People weren't there for me, so I'm out. That's silly. That's silly. That's like saying, you know, I went to Subway this week and they were closed, so I'm never going there again. You know, hey, they're back open. You know, I ate there. Uh, pe- people are going to fail. People fail Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 4, um, <clears throat> 16 and 17. At my first defense, no one came to stand by me. All deserted me. Hey, are you ready for that time in your life? Because God usually brings some of those in our life just to remind us that, you know what, it's all about Him. Okay? All deserted me. May it not be charged against them, but the Lord stood by me and strengthened me. So that through me, the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was rescued from the lion's mouth. And then, then he goes on to say, hey, send this guy to me and send this guy to me. And I need this guy. You know, I mean, he's not phased at all. He's like, yep, there was a time in my life where, yep, nobody was there for me. Did, did not stop him from pursuing. You know why? Because Paul, Paul gets that it is God's plan that we would pour our lives into one another to build up each other's faith as an offering to God. And listen, there's a real cost to that. Ligon Duncan said something that I just thought was brilliant. He said, your sanctification is expensive. You ever thought, okay, remember, line, 
explosion of grace, salvation, justification. Now we're living the Christian life. Okay, this Christian life is full of people investing in you, right? People speaking truth in you, people teaching you, people keeping you accountable, encouraging you, comforting you, meeting your needs, ministering to you, showing you the love of Christ through their, their practical service, you know, helping you, just, just caring for you, being a friend to you. And, and all of that is, is God, God working through them in you. Okay, it's, it's all that. But listen, that's expensive. People will pour out their life for your faith. You ever thought about that? It's expensive. Some people die. Paul was beheaded. Man, remember Nate Saint, Jim Elliott. was five of those guys, wasn't there? Speared to death by the Aka Indians with pistols on their hips, but they wouldn't use them. You, a lot of those Aka Indians would get saved when Nate Saint's sister would come back to the village with, with the gospel. I mean, what, what a clear picture that, man, your salvation, your sanctification is expensive. Jesus lost his life that you might be saved. And other believers have lost theirs that you might have the gospel. And other believers have, have, have given time and energy and effort and, man, it's expensive. Let me ask you, do you want that? Do, do you want that in the lives of other people? Do you, do you want sanctification? That's a great question. Do you want sanctification? Do you want, as people are on the altar giving their life to Christ, do you, do you want them to be holy? Do you want them to be pleasing to the Lord? I mean, do you, do you, do you want people to, to, to have power over sin and be freed from old habits and have joy in the Lord and love for others and, and, and to learn to worship and have hearts of praise? And, and by people, I mean your children and your family and your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers and, and your church and your small group, those people. Do you want that? I want that. I hope you want that because you care about them. I hope you want your kids to be forgiven and to be protected and provided for and eternally secure in the grace of God. Man, I want my kids to, to be free from habitual sin. I want them to be free from the consequences of misery of sin. I want that for you guys. I want that for my neighbors. I want Christ to be glorified. All of that's expensive. Somebody's got to pay the price for that. Jesus paid the price. I know, I know. But what Paul's saying here is, my life's being poured out. It's going for you guys. It's expensive. Man, honestly, there's some people, and I don't, man, I think we all have a little bit in us. We're just like, you know what? I'm not willing to pay the price for that. It's too high. Price is too high. Price too high. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to pour into me. It's too high to pour into other people. It's too costly. You know, it will cost you. Remember chapter 2, verse 4. Let's go back to this. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also the interests of others. Count, verse 3, count others more significant than yourselves. That's the mind of Christ. That's been conformed to the image of Jesus. And also, I really think some of us today are going to be at this crisis point, and we're grappling with it. We're like, I know that's what I'm supposed to do, but it's just too expensive. It's too costly. You know, to give up kind of me time and just gathering all my resources and dumping them into me. That I just, I just, To give that up, to give my time and my resources and my energy and my efforts and my focus and my priorities to others. To be like Timothy, you know, 
who, who, who seeks their interest, the Philippians' interest, not his own. It's just too much. Let me tell you, if you're a Christian, that's actually what you signed up for at your salvation. Remember, you gave your life to Jesus. Matthew 16, 25. Whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Friends, we should be willing to pay that price. We should be willing to expend the effort and time and energy and money for the good of others. It's not cheap. It's expensive. And here's the question. We need to wrestle with this today. Is it a waste to pour out your life for, for the faith of the gospel? Is that a waste? That, that's really the, the thing that's going to, we got we to deal with. Wait, is that a waste? Okay. So <clears throat> you got people on the altar. We're all on the altar, actually. We're all, you know, being, being offered to God, you know, as Christians. Okay. And so is it a waste for you to, to pour into, just pour your life out into others? You pour your resources, your time, your energy, your efforts, you know, your, your friend, you, you hang in there, you serve, you know, you, you, whatever that looks like for you, caring for kids in Jesus' name, building gospel friendships, involved in the messiness of people's lives with the intent to speak truth, you, you're listening to and praying for and visiting people. Yeah, I mean, the, the question is, is it a waste? Is that a waste? Nobody's going to do what they think is a waste. Nobody wants to waste their life. And so, so the question is, is it a waste? Here's what Paul says. No. Look at verse 16. He says, I'm ho- ho- I, this is right at the end of what we looked at last week. He says, I want you guys to hold fast to the word of life so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. You see what he says there? He says, if, if I pour into your faith, man, it won't be a waste. There's coming a day, okay? There's coming a day when, when I will be proud. Of how I live my life. You know, here, here's the deal. You're spending your life on something. Okay? It actually, I mean, to get our metaphor right here, you're either pouring your life into other people for the gospel, or you're pouring it out for something. You know, you're pouring it out into your company. You're pouring it out into um, your selfish desires. You're pouring it out into your recreation. You're pouring it out into your bank account. You're, you're pouring it somewhere. I mean, have you noticed that everybody's life gets poured out, you know? You're going to have a funeral someday, everybody. Your life's being poured out. One way or another. I mean, the, uh, there's not an option on the table. I'm going to keep mine. No, no, you're not. You're going to pour it somewhere. And here's what Paul's saying, man. Paul's saying, <clears throat> if you pour it out for the faith of others, there will be a day. And he's, he calls it the day, the day of Christ, okay? The day of Christ. And on the day of Christ, he says, I will be proud that I did not run or labor in vain. That word vain means empty, fruitless. It actually, in my Greek lexicon, it says empty-handed. Empty-handed. Paul says, when I pour into the lives of others, there's going to come a day when I'm going to stand for Jesus Christ. And, 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 and I'm going to give an account for my Christian life. The Bible tells us that will happen. And he says, on that day, I will not be empty-handed. You see, if you're empty-handed on that day, what does that mean? You wasted your life. You poured it out, all right. It all went right into something else that was of no benefit, that was of no earthly value. Now, I know what some of you are going to say. 
And you're going to say, oh, yes, yes, Pastor Jason. <coughs> Far away in heaven, right? That's always the preacher, sweet by and by, you know, pie in the sky, you know, far away. Well, a couple things first, okay? A, it's, it's not that far away for some of us. B, I think we really need to learn delayed gratification, you know? I, I, think, we need to, I think we need to learn that. I think we need to learn that, you know what? There's something coming. I'm going to be somewhere else for billions of years, and what I do right now is what's going to matter for that. But, but, B, uh, look at Paul's testimony of right now, okay? Verse 17, even if I'm being poured out as a drink offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. All right, again, we got, we got a trail here, okay? We're either going to follow it or we're going to say, no, I think I'm taking, the, I'm taking the ditch, okay? The trail is Paul under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, okay? Philippians, inspired book of the Bible. What we've got here is God's Word through Paul. And Paul says, I, even if my life's being poured out for your faith, I've got joy. I'm glad. I'm rejoicing. There's a mutual gladness. There's joy between us. Okay? Here's what, I, here's what I would pitch to you today. When you pour your life out for the faith of others, there's gladness. There's joy in that. There's a, there's a mutual joy. There's a joy in me pouring into others. And there's a joy in you guys pouring into me. There's a, there's a mutual gladness there. There's a, there's a satisfaction. There's a deep joy. Okay, that you're not going to get if if you if you take the route of no, I'm I'm going to take my life and I'm going to pour it into me. You know what? There's not joy in that. And there's there's a thousand testimonies of people off the trail that that you can look at their life and say, yep, that guy he poured into him. There's no joy in that. Not only that, he's he's going to stand before Christ someday, empty-handed, having wasted his life. But even looking at him now, there's not joy in his life. And the testimony of the scriptures is that if you'll pour your, pour your life into others, there's, there's joy in that. There's a partnership. There's, there's relationship. The other argument I thought of is, I think some of you might say, you know what, I'm just not Paul. Pastor, these are not... You're, you're just talking about preachers, you know. I mean, it's easy to make the application here. Okay, Paul is a pastor. Jason's a pastor. Andrew's a pastor. Daniel's a pastor. You know, they, they, they spend their life, you know, counseling people and, and preaching and teaching. But that, that's not me. So does this even apply to me? You know, it's interesting that we've got three guys here. Okay, we got, we got Timothy. Very different than Paul. Okay, very different than Paul. He, he, what, what do you know about Timothy's writings? <laughs> Nothing. Okay, you know, like, well, there's 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 books in the Bible. First, Second Timothy. First, you know, okay, th- those are those are letters from Paul to Timothy. You know, we don't have anything of Timothy's. Okay, you know what we do have about Timothy? Here's what we got. Um, verse twenty: For I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. They all seek your own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth. How is a son with the father? He has served with me in the gospel. Here's a guy who here's his characteristic. Okay. And this could be any of us. He, he's genuinely concerned for the spiritual welfare of other people. 
Why can't that be you? There's a great verse in Hebrews. Sean, I don't think we have this one up there. Well, I think I texted it to you at the end, maybe. We might have it up there. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. It's interesting. The next verse says, not neglecting to meet together. (laughs) But the, the first verse there says, let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. This is the kind of, here's, here's, here's what Timothy was. Timothy is the kind of guy, he's genuinely concerned for your spiritual welfare. And so he thinks about, how, how, can, I, how can I build up that person's faith? What do they need? Man, be that kind of person. Be that kind of person who's just like, what, is, what does so-and-so need? Man, they seem discouraged. Man, I'm going to pour my life out to encourage their faith. They, man, they're having a hard time financially. I can help with that. I could, I could be Jesus' provision in their life for the glory of God. But what do they need? Maybe they, maybe they need rebuke. Oh, gosh, I hope that's you and not me, you know? But it could be you, you know? Sometimes people need that, don't they? Sometimes people need a hard word. And maybe you're the person that's, that's close to them. Everybody always thinks that's always the pastor's job. <laughs> Sometimes it's your job. Sometimes that's what their faith needs. Consider, consider. How to stir one another up to love and good deeds. All right, how about Epaphroditus? For what we know, this guy's not a preacher. For what we know, he's not a teacher. All we know, he's, he's, he's a fellow worker. He's a, he's a brother. He's a soldier, fellow soldier. He's a, he's a messenger, okay? We know that he, that, he, that he brought news from Paul to the Philippians, from the Philippians to Paul. You know, he's kind of a messenger guy. He handles money. Okay, when Paul talks about this guy supplied his need, he's talking about this guy. I mean, he probably maybe he was an usher, an usher who took care of money, and so he—that's he, what he does. But here's his defining, here's his defining characteristic in my mind, anyway. Verse thirty: He nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. This is the kind of guy that would go into a jail. You know, when Paul is about to be executed for being a Christian, how wise is it? <laughs> to go visit him, you know? I'd like to see Paul. <laughs> he risked his life. This guy, he's a risk taker. When is it okay to pay the price for something that's really expensive? You guys probably ask that in your budget, don't you? When's that okay? When's that okay? When's it okay to pay the price for something that's really expensive? We ask that all the time in, in our house. Things we want, and then they're really expensive. And we go through the process of, is that okay for me to have that? Is that okay for me to spend that? When's it okay? I think it's okay <clears throat> two, re- two times, or two, two things. Number one, when it's really worth it. There are some things it's really worth paying a big cost for. And number two, when somebody really needs it. When somebody really needs it. I never forget, I, I'm just looking at Trevor and Bob back there. I don't know, I just, I just, you know how you used to remember things, some things? It's been a long time ago. Trevor is 13, so it's been like 13 years ago. But he was just a baby and he was in the, in the, um, ICU, and they were uh, they were bagging him because he couldn't breathe on his own anymore. He had RSV, and uh, so they were sending the chopper to take him out. And 
I don't remember who it was, Bob, but we were, it was me and Bob and a couple other people sitting in that little waiting room in the ICU, that little kind of room off the side. And, and so and then the chopper was coming in to get him, and, and uh, somebody said, man, how much is that going to cost? They were just talking to Bob. I think they were just trying to make small talk, you know. And I just remember Bob saying, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. And that's true, right? Sometimes we're, well, it doesn't matter what it costs. <laughs> that person really needs it. Do people really need their faith built up? We got young people in this church that really need to be invested in, spoken truth into their lives. I, th- I think those, both those apply. It's really worth it. And people really need it. So I, I, think, I think we should, no matter the cost, we should pour out our lives for the faith of others. You can do that. It's not beyond you. Maybe you're not Paul. You don't have to be. Maybe you're not Timothy. You don't have to be. Maybe you're not about. It's it's just it's just having a life that says, man, I'm I'm looking. I'm I'm looking. Looking's the key. I'm looking. What do people need? What's what's my husband need? What's my wife need? What's my kids need? What are my friends need? What are my small group? What what are my friends in the church? What do they need? What what does their faith need? I, I want to pour my life out so that their faith is strengthened in Christ. Let's be that to each other. Let's be that. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the church. I thank you for the saints that you have just placed around me. God, thank you for how they have poured into me, how they have supplied my need uh, time and time and time and time again. Thank you, Jesus, for, um, for helping us grow through the power of your spirit, helping us to become more like Jesus. And Lord, help us to be willing to pay the cost pay the price of just pouring our lives out for the good of others. Make us that kind of people, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.